0: song and through prayer and through fellowship, and now I would ask that you would hear the word of the Lord. We're going to turn our Bibles again to the book of Exodus chapter 5, and we're going to continue our journey of redemption. The major theme of the book of Exodus is the story of redemption and how God takes a nation of slaves. And he turns them into a nation of, of priests unto the Lord. And we rejoice in the power and in the story of redemption. The title of the message today is, Who is the Lord? Who is the Lord? Now let's read this chapter and let's hear the word of the Lord. And afterward, Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh, Thus saith the Lord, God of Israel, let my people go, that they may hold a feast unto me in the wilderness. And Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord, that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? I know not the Lord, neither will I let Israel go. And they said, The God of the Hebrews, Hath met with us. Let us go, we pray thee, three days' journey into the desert, and sacrifice unto the Lord our God, lest he fall upon us with pestilence or with the sword. And the king of Egypt said unto them, Wherefore do ye, Moses and Aaron, let the people from their works get you unto your burdens? And Pharaoh said, Behold, the people of the land now are many, and ye make them rest from their burdens. And Pharaoh commanded the same day the taskmasters of the people and their officers, saying, "Ye shall no more give the people straw to make brick, as heretofore, let them go and gather straw for themselves. And the tale of the bricks, which they did make heretofore, ye shall lay upon them, ye shall not diminish aught thereof, for they be idle. Therefore they cry, saying, Let us go and sacrifice to our God." Let there more work be laid upon the men, that they may labor therein, and let them not regard vain words. And the taskmasters of the people went out, and their officers, and they spake to the people, saying, Thus saith Pharaoh, I will not give you straw. Go ye, get your straw where you can find it. Yet not all of your work shall be diminished. So the people were scattered abroad throughout all the land of Egypt to gather stubble instead of straw. And the taskmasters hasted them, saying, Fulfill your works, your daily task, as when there was straw. And the officers of the children of Israel, which Pharaoh's taskmasters had set over them, were beaten and demanded, Wherefore have ye not fulfilled your task in making brick, both yesterday and today, as heretofore? Then the officers of the children of Israel came and cried unto Pharaoh, saying, Wherefore dealest thou thus with thy servants? There is no straw given unto thy servants. And they say to us, Make brick. And behold, thy servants are beaten, but the fault is in thine own people. But he said, Ye are idle, ye are idle. Therefore ye say, Let us go and do sacrifice to the Lord. Go therefore now and work. For there shall no straw be given you, yet shall ye deliver the tale of bricks. And the officers of the children of Israel did see that they were in evil case. After it was said, Ye shall not minish aught from your bricks of your daily task. And they met Moses and Aaron who stood in the way as they came forth from Pharaoh. And they said unto him, The Lord look upon you and judge because ye have made our saver to be abhorred in the eyes of Pharaoh and in the eyes of his servants, to put a sword in their hand to slay us. And Moses returned unto the Lord and said, Lord, wherefore hast thou so evil entreated this people? Why is it that thou hast sent me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in thy name, he hath done evil to this people, Neither hast thou delivered thy people at all. What a great question before us today for our lives. The question of all questions, the ultimate question really, who is the Lord? And how significant is that question? Well, maybe today you know the answer. You know the answer theologically, you know the answer Biblically, and you would say to me, "Well, well, brother Nathan, that's a that's an easy answer." Well, Jesus is Lord. Can I get an amen? Yes, Jesus is Lord. He is Lord of all. But the question for us today is, what are we doing about that in our lives? How is that affecting the way that I live, the way that I worship, the way I treat my wife, the way I work at my job, the type of church member? Or citizen that I am. Who is the Lord? Beloved, when we realize and we acknowledge the Lord Jesus Christ. uh, For who he truly is in our life. A great transformation must take place in our minds and in our hearts and in our actions. What does it mean to really believe and to say that Jesus is Lord, your Lord and my lord it means number 1 that we acknowledge his ownership we acknowledge his ownership over us see that's what redemption is all about right redemption and the story of redemption and what god is doing with the children of israel he is he is telling uh, pharaoh these that you think belong to you these that you think belong to the world they do not belong to you they are not your slaves Israel is my son, and I'm going to redeem them. I'm going to buy them back. And the purpose for buying them back is that they might know that I am the Lord. Who all is learning in this story who the Lord is? Everybody. Everybody. Pharaoh's going to learn. Moses and Aaron are going to learn. The children of Israel are going to learn. And God says my whole purpose for doing all of this is that all the world... God's going to use this story as an evangelistic tool to all the nations that they might know that I am the Lord. And guess guess who else is supposed to learn through it? Me and you. That I am not my own. I'm not living my life by my own uh, prerogative. That I have been bought with a price. Not with gold or silver, but with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. We sang that song, Redeemed redeemed, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. I am not my own. I, When I come to Jesus and I realize that He is Lord and I acknowledge Him as Lord, I acknowledge His ownership over me. I also give up all my personal rights. I give up my personal rights. And like Jesus said, Lord, not my will, but Thy will be done. I'm, I'm not... Uh, I don't think that I'm owed certain things. I realize that anything that God gives to me is by His grace, by His uh, mercy. Uh, The only rights that I have are the rights that He has given to me as His redeemed child. The rights that He says that I have through shed blood redemption. And then I strive with all that is in me. To give Him a total and unreserved obedience in my life. Oh, this is such an important concept for us to understand. Who is the Lord and the Lordship of Jesus Christ? How important is it today? Well, Paul would tell us in the Roman letter, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The Bible also tells us that no man can say That Jesus is Lord except by what? Except by the Holy Spirit. Except by the Holy Ghost. This is something that can only be revealed to us through salvation, through redemption. I love what Paul Washer said about this. About the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And the acknowledging of the Lordship of Jesus Christ. He said, it is a blessed hope for some. And a terrifying nightmare for others. Regardless, it is an unalterable reality. Yes, we don't make Jesus Lord. He is Lord. And He is Lord of all. So here in this journey of redemption, part of the whole purpose of this is that the people of God might acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Does that sound familiar? Oh, it does, doesn't it? Because that is what all of history and the story of redemption is culminating toward. And marching forward toward that moment. Because God hath highly exalted the Lord Jesus Christ and he has given him a name that is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is what lord. that he's lord to the glory of God the father that is part of the whole purpose of redemption is that we might know who the Lord is and acknowledge His Lordship in our lives. So as we get into this story. Let's look at some great thoughts about who is the Lord. The first thought that I would like us to consider this morning. Is that he is the only one who can truly make men free. The Lord is the only one who can truly make men free. Are you under the thought or the delusion that you can free yourself this morning? That you can make yourself free? Well, that's a strong delusion. Do you think that Moses and Aaron uh, could have got the children of Israel free by themselves? No, but we know even in our Psalm 77... It said, uh, Lord, you led your people out, you delivered your people by the hand of Moses and Aaron. It is only the Lord who can deliver. And that's part of what Moses and Aaron and, and the people of God are, are going to learn. Because we live in a day and we live in a time of modern Christianity that is inundated with works theology. In which people think that it is because of what they do. Or what they can believe. That they can be free from sin. Or be right with God. But it is not. It is only in what God has done. And who God is that can make men free. Even in a natural sense. Even in our natural freedoms. Our freedoms don't come from the government. Our freedoms come from God. And that's what our forefathers uh, wrote down in the founding documents and and why that, that they realized how much things needed to change because uh, of the dictates of the Creator. He is the only one who can truly make men free. So we begin in chapter 5 in verse 1 and it says, And afterward, that's very important for us to understand In the journey of redemption here. Now they had just had a wonderful experience. Had they not? They had come back off the desert. They had shown the people of the Lord the signs. And like uh, the children told us this morning. The people believed and (laughs) worshipped. But now afterward. The hard part comes. The living under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Many people want Jesus as Savior. Many people want some fire insurance from hell. But when it really comes to governing one's life under the will and prerogative of the Lord, this is where we struggle. This is where we, we balk at that sometimes and where we need the Lord's help and grace and mercy so much. I think about what Jesus said in John eight thirty six. You can turn there if you want to, but all of you know this and you can definitely write it down in your notes. He said, if the Son shall make you free, then you shall be free indeed. And the truth is that the Lord is the only one that can truly make men free. He's the only one that can lift us and quicken us from a state of death and trespasses and in sin. He's the only one that has the grace Whereby we must be saved. He is the only one. And and I hear the old prophet Jonah. Crying from that belly of that well. And he said salvation. Is of what? The Lord. The Lord. And so afterward Moses and Aaron. They go in and tell Pharaoh. Now this is amazing that they could even. Have audience with Pharaoh to me. These lowly shepherds from the wilderness. You know, if Brother Andy and I tried to go up to Washington and said we got something that we need to talk to President Biden about, I imagine we'd be put in a, <laughs> on a waiting list way back in the back of the line. We w- we would probably never get there unless it was the will of the Lord. But this is a, where I believe that God is is using uh, Moses' relationships in the past that he did he was known still in Egypt though God had in his providence uh, allowed all those who sought his life to die yet he still had recognition he still had uh, connections and somehow God isn't that kind of amazing that these lowly shepherds were given direct audience to the most powerful leader of the world at that time God can do anything can he it's so amazing. And, and so we see the Lord at work. And, and here is the message of freedom. Here is the message. And in this message we, we hear the heart of God. We hear the one that can make men free. They went in unto Pharaoh and they spoke power to this man. They, they spoke to power in the authority of the Lord. And they said, Thus saith who? Thus saith Moses? Thus saith Aaron? Thus saith brother Nathan? No. Thus saith who? Thus saith the Lord, Jehovah, Yahweh, the I Am. This is is the one that can deliver his people. And and they said, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, let my people go. I want you all to know and I want you all to underline that whole phrase there. Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, let my people go in that you see the heart of our God. Jesus said, "The thief comes to kill, steal and destroy. But I have come that you might have a life, and that you might have a life more abundant." Aren't you thrilled today that what God wants for you is freedom? Freedom from this world, freedom from your flesh, freedom from yourself, freedom from sin. Hallelujah, that is the heart of God towards us and that he has a people. Part of the reason that I I wanted you to, to highlight this is this is the first time in the Bible that God, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, allows himself to be called the God of Israel. The God of Israel is the Lord. And he says, let my people, listen to the possession that he has and the way that he feels toward us let my people go beloved this was a we we rejoice every July 4th our declaration of independence right this not only was a direct declaration of independence for the people of God uh just naturally speaking from the land of Egypt it is the declaration of of independence from the heart of God towards his people throughout all eternity in regards to redemption in regards to salvation What's holding you back today? What, what is trying to keep you in bondage today? God's desire, God's heart is for you to be free from that. And He has given us the victory over that through the Lordship of Jesus Christ. The Son has made us free. Not only is this a direct declaration of independence, but it's also a declaration of war by God. It's a declaration of war by God against all those who would oppose and hold back His will and His heart toward the people of God. God has gone to war for us, beloved. The captain of our salvation has gone to war for us. And guess what? He has won the victory. Hallelujah. No one can hold in bondage the children of God. Not in life. And hallelujah, not in death because of the Lordship of Jesus Christ. I said, "You're going to let my people go. This was the battle cry of freedom for the people of God, God's uncompromising message of freedom. Hallelujah, He didn't say, "I want you to think about letting my people go. And I want you to consider my letting my people go. You will let my people go. Hallelujah. Did God see to it that that got done, beloved? Can you give me an amen? Guess what? He's going to see to it that that's done for every single one of his children, in their life. Because salvation, victory, freedom, independence is from the Lord. I really uh, enjoyed so much the study Wednesday night that Brother Jeff uh, brought from the Book of Revelation and how this mighty angel came down and he said, "Time shall need be no more." And there was these seven great thunders from. The angel, and it reminded me so much of what is happening happening here, because in the book of Exodus, this this is this cry, "Let my people go," is thundered seven times before hard-hearted Pharaoh. And I just want us to go to him and hear it over and over again. We've already read it in chapter five, in verse uh, one. Let my people go. Mark it there. Go with me to chapter 7, verse 16. And thou shalt say unto him, The Lord God of the Hebrews hath sent unto thee, saying, Let my people go. Uh, every time I read it, I almost get chill bumps. I just, I love it. It's our declaration of independence. It's God's declaration of war. And, and at the first time, Pharaoh wouldn't let him go. God sent the message again. He sent the message to him till it, till it got through. And he did let him go. So there it is. That's the second time in seven sixteen, in eight one. And the Lord spake unto Moses, going to Pharaoh and said to him, Thus said the Lord, Let my people go, that they may serve me. You know, you would think maybe that the Lord said, Lord, I kind of already told him that. He's kind of ignoring that message. The Lord said, Go to him again. Tell him, Let my people go. Do you see it there? In Chapter 8, verse 1. Also go to verse 20. And the Lord said unto Moses, Rise up early in the morning and stand before Pharaoh. Lo, he cometh forth to the water and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord. What is it, church? Let my people go. Let my people go. This is the way it is in our lives as God looks into our lives and He sees us as His people and we feel the power of His redemption. But there's still... Things in this world that entice us. Things that try to bring us into bondage. God continues to cry this. Also in our lives. Let my people go. From addictions. From chains. From fear. From doubt. Let my people go. From worldly love. Let my people go. Also we read in chapter 9 verse 1. And the Lord said unto Moses. Go in unto Pharaoh and tell him. Thus saith the Lord God of the Hebrews. Let my people go. And it's for a purpose. Notice that us being redeemed, us receiving the identity as the people of God, it is very specific in the purpose of redemption. He says, let them go that they may what? That they may serve me, that they may feast upon me, that they may sacrifice unto me all these are found in this great declaration of independence and this declaration of war against the devil and against this first anti- real antichrist that we see in the Bible in verse 13 of Exodus 9 again. And the Lord said to Moses, Rise up early in the morning and stand before Pharaoh and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord God of the Hebrews, Let my people go that they may serve me And then again, the last one, the seventh one, in chapter 10, in verse 3. Chapter 10, in verse 3. And Moses and Aaron came into Pharaoh and said to him, Thus saith the Lord, God of the Hebrews, How long wilt thou refuse to humble thyself before me? Let my people go, that they may hear me. Do you hear that thundering from the Lord? Do you hear that thundering from heaven, the authority of that? You know, we're not begging people uh, to make Jesus the Lord of their life. We're proclaiming the message that Jesus is Lord. And I ask you by faith to believe that and receive that and live your life underneath that truth to acknowledge His ownership, to give up your personal rights, to give Him a total and unreserved obedience because this is what truly makes men free. And He's the only one God's people, what God is saying here, listen. God's people do not belong to this world or to its gods. God's saying to you and to me, you belong to me alone. You belong to me and I belong to you. I am your God. I am your Lord and you are my people. Redemption's result is that we may feast upon the Lord and before the Lord. That we may sacrifice unto the Lord and that we may serve the Lord. All three of those things are proclaimed in this great battle cry of redemption. Let my people go. He said, I want you to let them go so they can have a feast and celebrate who I am and what I have done for them. And then I'm going to allow them to come. And I'm going to allow them to take part in the great work of redemption. I'm going to allow them to bring sacrifices and to sacrifice Unto me, in lieu of the great sacrifice that Christ is going to offer one day, and we're still bringing our sacrifices of praise, our sacrifice of uh, a living sacrifice of our own bodies uh, to say to the Lord today: Lord, I surrender all to you. Everything I am is is yours, Lord. I feast upon you. I feast upon your word, upon your love, even upon His own body and blood. We feast upon him so that we may never hunger and never thirst and we sacrifice to him but then the last one he said and I want you to let them go that they may serve me they're not going to make your bricks anymore they're not going to go get your straw anymore they're not going to build temples and pyramids uh, to your gods but they're going to be my people a nation of priests they're going to build my tabernacle and they're going to worship me and they're going to do it in freedom we ought to love our freedom here in this nation, in this country. What a great privilege and blessing it is. But beloved, without the Lord, we would never be able to break free from our chains and our burdens. Moses and Aaron were great men. Moses, you see how discouraged Moses is at the end of the chapter, right? He had been on such a mountaintop uh, there before the burning bush and and then received these great signs, and he came back, and and the people believed. And man, he said, "Let's Aaron, let's get in there, let's strike while the iron's hot. The people are believing, the people are worshiping. Let's get in there and, and tell Pharaoh what God said to let my people go." And then they tell him the message, and 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 Pharaoh says, "Who's the Lord? I don't know him. These are my slaves. You're crazy if I think that I'm going to let them leave." And then he makes their afflictions even more worse than they were before. Well, that's exactly what the devil tries to do in our lives, isn't it? Anytime we try to get free from some sin or, or get our lives free to serve and feast and sacrifice to the Lord, the devil says, oh, no, uh, it's not going to be that easy. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to trip you up. I'm going to try to distract you. I'm going to try to, you know, uh, keep you in chains, uh, making bricks and looking for straw for the world. But God says... Let my people go. And beloved. He is the only one. The Lord. Our Lord. Is the only one. That can truly. Make men free. And I rejoice to tell you today. Those of you. Who have not acknowledged. His Lordship. Those of you. That have not confessed him. As Lord. Before men. And surrendered. Your life unto them. I have great news. For you today. Do you know. That that door of mercy. Is still open. At this very hour and God's messengers, just like Moses and Aaron were God's messages and they were preaching the message of redemption and, and let's let's uh God have something far better from this from, from from this and come out of Egypt and by faith uh go with God and trust God and be with the people of God. That door of mercy is still open. But you know, one day it's gonna shut. Y'all remember Wednesday night, Brother Jeff said what that strong angel said. He said, and time shall be no more. But that meant that the time was up. The time was up. Just like Noah in his day, he preached righteousness. He preached the judgment of God against sin. And the ark, the door of the ark was open for centuries. But then the day came when the rain came and God Himself shut the door. And no one else could go in. Today, the message of freedom is still being heralded in the world. Men are still being called to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, beloved, you will either bow to Him and acknowledge Him as Lord here in grace, or you will bow to Him and acknowledge Him as a Lord one day in wrath, but then it will be too late. You will not know freedom then. You will only know bondage forever. In an unbelieving sinner's hell. Oh, the day of freedom. It's still at hand. God's witnesses are still proclaiming. But soon the door of mercy will be shut. All oh, beloved, realize today, acknowledge today. Lord, you're the only one that could have made me free. And praise Him today that you have heard the message of salvation. And that you have confessed with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. And that whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord still, the promise is they shall be saved. Well, secondly, in this, in regards to who is the Lord, you know, the thing about the question here, I've kind of turned the question, you know, who is the Lord? But actually, that's not the way Pharaoh is asking the question. He's saying, I don't care who the Lord is. He said, it don't matter to me. Who the Lord is. I don't know him. I don't want to know him. And I'm sure not going to do. What he says. Because I want to be Lord. Well that's the only reason. That you won't. Bow to the Lordship. Of Jesus Christ. Is because. You want to be Lord. But beloved. That's a. That's a. Tragic. Eternal. Mistake. Because you'll only put yourself further in bondage and further in darkness and further in captivity. Secondly, the Lord is the only one who can bring eternal good out of temporal evil. God is the only one that can bring eternal good out of temporal evil. Isn't it amazing the way that God works You know, this is definitely like we talked about with Moses, the way God dealt with Moses in his life. This is definitely not the way that I would have rescued the people either. But God's ways are high above our ways. They are past finding out. Even in in redemption in people's lives, I would regenerate every one of God's elect in the womb of its mother. (laughs) I would have them regenerated That converted uh, almost immediately as they could uh, come to uh, have that knowledge that's necessary to hear and understand the gospel. But that's not the way that God does it either. But He does it all right, doesn't He? And I'm not the Lord. And that's part of what this is about. And that's part of what so much of all of our problems are in our lives. But God has not called us to be Him. He has called us to be obedient children and to trust Him and to obey Him. And that's what we need to be about. And to share that message and that life with others. Oh, listen to this. They come and, and they say, We're making the Declaration of Independence. This is what God says let God's people go. They belong to Him, and the time is right. And so we hear the message of freedom, and we see the heart of God in the phrase, Let my people go. And you've highlighted that. Now, I want you to see the heart of the devil. And I want you to hear his message. To every one of his is. Get your own straw. Get your own straw. That's the heart of the devil. It's actually even in the message of the false gospel. We see the heart of the devil toward us. No, you're never going to be free. And if you keep trying to get free. What I'm going to do, I'm going to make it harder and harder and harder on you and try to make you give up, escaping from my grip. Get your own straw. Beloved, there is unintentional evil that happens in the world. There is. You know, you're driving down the road. Somebody crosses the lane. You have a wreck with them, and you kill them, but you did not intend to that evil but it was still a terrible thing you would be uh you involuntary manslaughter but it was not intentional evil here what is going on in the fifth chapter of the book of exodus by pharaoh is intentional evil some of the things that are coming down from our government toward us in our day is intentional evil meant to put us in bondage Crazy to me, the man that stood in front of people and said, they want to put y'all back in chains. Actually, now that he's in power, that's exactly what he's trying to do. Put us back in chains. Take away our freedoms, our liberties. Trying to turn people away from God. But don't you rejoice today that even though Pharaoh uses all his power, all of his stubbornness, everything that is under his might to keep God's people in bondage. It does not work. (laughs) Because God, our Lord, is able to bring eternal good even out of temporal evil. Go with me to the book of Isaiah just to illustrate that. We love uh, these verses. They bring so much comfort to us. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 61. And this is actually when the great Redeemer came to the earth and he got up in church the first time and he was going to preach his first sermon. Brother Robert, this was the text that he used because he had come to free men. And he comes to free men today. Isaiah 61, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to them that are bound. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God. I told you it's not just a declaration of independence, it's a declaration of war. To comfort all that mourn. And listen to how the Lord can turn temporal evil into eternal good. To appoint unto them that morning's Zion, To give unto them beauty for ashes. The oil of joy for mourning. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. That they might be called the trees of righteousness. The planting of the Lord that he might be glorified. And they shall build the old wastes. Old wastes they shall raise up the former desolations. And they shall repair the waste cities. The desolations of many generations. And strangers shall stand and feed your flocks. And the sons of the aliens shall be your plowmen and your vine dressers. But ye, this group that was a nation of slaves, ye shall be named the priest of the Lord. Men shall call you the ministers of our God. And you shall eat the riches of the Gentiles. And in their glory shall ye boast yourselves. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Get your own straw. This was intentional evil. Trying to turn people away from God. Well, beloved, just naturally speaking, we see this in God's economy so much. It's always the lowest ebb in the ocean that always brings the the highest tide. It is always the, the most fearful Morning, in the most dreadful looking in the sky in the morning, is going to turn into the most beautiful uh, day. Beloved, the best framework for the Lord to do His most ideal work. You got some situations in your life that look impossible? The best framework for the Lord to do His most ideal work is when things are absolutely impossible. And we feel totally unqualified to handle it. That's kind of humbling, isn't it? You remember the poor disciples on the Sea of Galilee in the storm? You know, they had been on the sea. They had been fishermen their whole life. If they could have been or handled any situation, it should have been this. And I think that that's why it was such a long time before they finally went uh, to Jesus. But it got so out of hand, they thought that they were all going to perish. They finally go to Jesus. Jesus wakes up, he says, Peace be still. What manner of man is this? That even the winds and the seas obey him. Well, he's the Lord. He's the Lord. When Peter saw him walking on the water, he said, It's it's the Lord. It's the Lord. The best framework. For the Lord to do His most ideal work is when things seem absolutely impossible and we feel totally unqualified to handle it. God would use this conflict, and He does this often. God would use this conflict to heighten the anticipation and the appreciation of redemption. If it was easy, we wouldn't appreciate it. We would not. Y'all know that it's true. And God is going to use this conflict and this struggle to put in their hearts a great desire to be free, to to be out from under the cruelty of this Pharaoh and of Egypt. You see, here is here is um, you know, and it's so true. When we make efforts to obey God, the devil always tries to distract us, and that's exactly what the devil is trying to do here to Moses and Aaron. And the people of Israel. And that's what he's trying to do to us today. So here is the. We've talked about two messages. The message of freedom in the heart of God. Let my people go. Sacrifice. Feast. Serve. The message of the devil is. Get your own straw. It is conform to our ways. Do what we say. Live for now. Is that not the message of our world? Is that not the message that we hear on the radio waves, on the television, in all the songs? Live like us. Conform to our ways. Do what we say. Live for now. But the message of the eternal God, change your ways. Change your ways. Do what God says. Live forever. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. Through Christ Jesus, our what, our Lord, our Lord. Here, God is going to do an amazing thing. You know, I feel I do feel bad for Moses and Aaron because I've been here. I, I've had such high hopes sometimes for people, such high hopes for myself, sometimes such high hopes for certain situations, such high hopes. Uh, In there, a song, high hopes. <laughs> Ha hopes, we got high our hopes. I guess that's where I get that from, right? And only to see, you know, things happen that are so disappointing, are so discouraging, and I'm almost like, God, why did you ever get my hopes up if this was how it was gonna be? If this was your plan. But the thing is, God's God's not done. Nathan's not God. God's not on Nathan's timetable or your timetable. He's on his timetable. He's not doing it for my or your glory. It's for his, and it's ultimately for our good. And so when you look in your life and you look at this country, or you look, maybe even sometimes it's the church that we look at, and we think, Lord, like Moses, we go to the Lord, right? Here. Here Moses has done. he's been faithful to do what God says, right? He goes to Pharaoh and he says, God said, let him go. He delivers it just right. There was nothing wrong. It didn't work because there was something wrong in the message or wrong in the messengers. It just wasn't time yet. God was going to do some more things. It might be that way in your life. It might be that way in our day, in our time. Again, God has not called us to be the Lord. He's called us to be faithful, obedient children. But I feel for Moses and Aaron, don't you? Because instead of things getting better, they wanted things to be better for themselves. They wanted things to be better for the people of God. And they did get better eventually. And they are going to be better, hallelujah, eternally. Far better, Apostle Paul says. Far better. Always remember that. But in the immediate, it got worse. I mean, how do you how does it get much worse than slavery? Right? But he, he said, You made us stink in their sight. You, you've made us you made our case evil. And they didn't blame oh hard-hearted Pharaoh. They didn't even blame God. They blamed Moses and Aaron. They said, It's your fault. It's your fault. That things are wrong in my life. Brother, we better be careful about that. Hallelujah. The story of Exodus does not end in chapter 5. Can I get an amen? (laughs) Because it looks looks pretty pitiful right there, doesn't it? Think about that for your life. And praise God that your Lord is one that. Like Joseph said, you meant it for evil, but God used it for good. And that God is able to take things that are temporally evil and work them for our eternal good. For all things, for we know that all things work for good to them that love God, to them that are the called according to His purpose. Well, thirdly, and this is part of the reason for that second one is, is coming here on the third one. He is the only one that can wean us from the world. Beloved, we're raised on the world. It kills me sometimes, you see these parents or you see these organizations, that think that they can separate themselves from the world and keep the world away from their children or or keep the world out of the heart of their children. The world's already in them. The world's already in you. You were born into this world. You were weaned on this world. But God says, I'm going to wean you off the world. I'm going to give you something better than what the world has. And you would never wean yourself off of the world. They would have never left Egypt. They would have never left if God had not worked it out the way that he did. He made them despise Egypt. He made them hate Egypt and say, you know what? If it means going off into the desert with these two wild preachers, we're going to do it. (laughs) Not just one or two, but all of them. Because God is the only one that can wean us from the world. Do we need weaning from the world? Do you feel the pull of the world on your heart and on your life all the time? Man, I mean, it's, it's hard for some people and I, I ain't uh, pointing fingers or getting down on anybody. It's it's the it's the way it is, and it's the way it is everywhere. I mean, it's hard just to get people to be committed to come to church for three hours out of a seven day week with twenty four hours a day. It's hard to just get people committed uh, to just do that. That's how that's how much we're on uh, the milk of the world. Yes. But I love this in 1 John, how clearly and plainly the Apostle John, the Apostle of love, he says this to us in 1 John chapter 2, and you all know these verses. And this is what God was going to have to teach the nation of Israel. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. But here's the trick. Here's the disclaimer at the end that you need to catch and that you need to know. For all and the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. The Lord is going to see to it that we are ready and willing to leave Egypt. Beloved, always remember this and write this down in your notes. We are not redeemed to fit in. But we are redeemed to stand out. And if you ever think that the world is going to love you because you're a good Christian man or a good Christian woman or a good Christian young person, you got another thing coming. They're going to tell you, go get straw and make bricks for us. Be like us. Live like us. And don't tell us about your Lord. We don't know Him. And we don't want to know Him. Just as soon as they had gotten out. Y'all remember? They crossed the Red Sea. They got in the wilderness. It had only been a few days after they had seen God destroy all their old taskmasters. All their old enemies that destroyed that hard-hearted Pharaoh. And they were free. And it just got a little bit hard. They said, why did you bring us out here to die? Would to God we could just go back to Egypt. That's the way that we are. So part of the, the work of redemption in our lives is to wean us from the world. And that's what God is doing with the children of the Hebrews here. Will we be loyal to the Lord? And trust Him even in times of hardship. He's teaching that to Moses and Aaron too. He said, you think this is hard? Wait till we get out in the wilderness. <laughs> and it's not going to be Pharaoh uh, that is bad on you. It's going to be the own people, your own kindred. But God, the great physician, in the work of redemption, and part of this is what He does through sanctification and perseverance, don't we all hate the word cancer? Don't y'all just hate that word? So many lives in here that have been affected by that that dreadful thing. Well, spiritually speaking, worldly love is like cancer. It's like cancer. And the great physician, the Lord, is the only one that can cut that cancer out of our souls. And that's what God is doing with, the, with this get more straw and... Things getting harder. He is cutting the cancer of carnal delights out of the hearts of his people. And isn't it amazing that, that the people of Israel in our story, that they tried to reason with men rather than God. They had just heard that God was going to set them free. They had just seen the incredible signs that he had given to Moses. They had seen their messengers, these shepherd men, go and speak to power in peril of their own their lives were on the line i mean the pharaoh could have just killed them god just prevented him from exercising that authority and power he just restrained him you know the wrath of man what shall praise god and the remainder he shall what restrain right god was using that as he saw fit but Instead of the people of God, when they heard get more straw and if our lives are going to be harder than they were before, instead of, instead of going and crying out to the Lord, they tried to reason with the world. We, we will shake our heads today and say, man, they were so foolish, Brother Nathan. Oh, but doesn't that stone hit us right in the forehead too? They tried to go to the one that was making the problem to get relief. And all he did did was make their condition worse. The people of Israel tried to reason with men rather than God. I love what it says in Isaiah 1 verse 18. God says, come now, let us reason together. Though your sins were like scarlet, what shall they be? be white as snow. We must see, all of God's people must see that they are in an evil case before redemption will ever be precious to them. That's why when God begins to do a work of salvation in your life, He makes you odious to yourself. He makes you in your heart feel odious and wicked before Him and unholy and unclean before you'll ever appreciate the precious blood of the Lamb and of the Lord and what He was willing to do to buy you back. (laughs) I think about the old prodigal son. You know, he was so proud when he came to the end of all of his substance. The first thing before he ever did, before he went back to his father's house, he started eating the stuff that they were feeding to the pigs. And it's sad that's where God has to get us. <laughs> Sometime before we will realize, I'll rise and go to my Father. But how faithful is God to do that. Only He can wean us from the world. Only He has that that will draw us away from that which, spiritually, that, from that which would draw us fleshly. And they said, We are in an evil case. Yes, we must see ourselves as in an evil case before redemption will ever be precious to us. Then lastly, lastly, fourthly, He is the only one who can answer our disappointments. Anybody here ever been disappointed? (laughs) Disappointed in yourself? Disappointed Maybe in others, disappointed in circumstances. Well, Moses is your man in this story. Here he is. He's tried to do what's right. He's tried to be faithful, obedient to the Lord. He's spoken to power. He's doing what God has called him to do. And man, it just blew up in his proverbial face. These people that that he wants to admire him, to To follow him. They say we hate you Moses. We hate you Aaron. This is all y'all's fault. And God the Lord judge you. Because you made us stink. In the nostrils of the world. And of Pharaoh. Disappointment man. Disappointment right. We've been reading Psalm 77. The Psalm of alleviation. You can just hear out of that psalmist the, the uh, disappointment, the discouragement that he's feeling. Oh, beloved, let us be very careful when it comes to this. The attitude that we have toward it, toward the maybe, uh, you know, like that song says uh, about God moves in a mysterious way. That we have to be so careful the way. That we judge the works and the will of God and the providence of God in our lives. I'm turning to Psalm 142. And I think we see this in Moses. And I'm glad even though I think that he goes to the Lord with a a spirit that is not honoring to the Lord. but But it is really where Moses is really at. I mean he's really being honest with the Lord. He said, God, why'd you send me here? Why'd you tell me to go and tell Pharaoh to let these people go? Because now uh, their lives are worse than they were before and you haven't delivered us at all. Right? Moses wasn't looking at it with rose-colored glasses, that's for sure. Because they came back from their little meeting with Pharaoh. They tried to reach out to the world and say, why are you treating us like this world? Why are you treating us like this, Pharaoh? You know, It's your people's fault. Pharaoh says, I don't care. I don't care about y'all. I don't care about that it's hard on y'all. Y'all say that that y'all want to go worship God, that y'all want to go be free. All I got to say is to you, just get back to work and like it. And I don't care. And that's exactly the heart of the devil and of this world. The world has nothing for us. Except what it had for Jesus, and that's a crown of thorns. But the Lord has something better for us. Amen? And we need to be careful about complaining about God's will and being critical of the men of God. It could cost us many blessings from God if we have that kind of spirit. But here the psalmist says, I cried unto the Lord with my voice, with my voice unto the Lord did I make supplication. I poured out my complaint before him, and I showed before him my trouble. You know, they said, you made us to stink. That's what they said in the passage. If you'll look with me in the passage. In verse 21, And they said unto them, that's to Moses and Aaron, The Lord look upon you and judge, because you have made our silver to be abhorred in the eyes of Pharaoh. He said, you made us stink before Pharaoh, in the eyes of his servants. They said and you. Put a sword in their hand. To slay us. Is that what Moses had done. Is that not a warped view. Of what went on. And of reality. You know the truth is. What really stinks. Is their attitude. What really stinks sometimes. Is our attitude. And how we warped. Reality. Moses like us so often wanted to be the lord instead of his obedient servant and that cost moses this attitude wasn't just in the people of israel do you remember brother kevin when it cost moses god said speak to the rock and bring out water for the people and moses got lifted up in pride he got tired of dealing with ornery people. And he said, shall I? Shall I get water for you? And he took the rod of God and he struck the rock. And that rock was a, a picture of Christ, the New Testament tells us. God was still faithful to bring water out of the rock for the people. They told Moses, Moses, because you did that, you're never going to step foot in the promised land. It cost them. Our sorry attitude and our sorry actions, our stinking, stinking attitudes and actions can cost us so many blessings from God. But aren't you glad that the Lord answers him in mercy? And you see it in chapter 6. And he tells them, just, just keep serving, Moses. Just rest and just wait on me. And Moses, by faith, did that. And God redeemed and set his people free. Pharaoh did let the people go. And they didn't make bricks for Egypt anymore. Well, hallelujah. It's going to be the same for us, beloved, because Jesus is Lord. So close with me by turning to Psalm 62 and let these thoughts from God's word carry us out from the fifth chapter of the book of Moses. And here in the Lord answer all of our sore complaints, right? He'll end our sore complaints. The song says here in Psalm 62, read with me here in your heart, my soul. Verse 5 My soul, wait thou only upon God, for my expectation is from Him. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. In God is my salvation and my glory. The rock of my strength and my refuge is in God. Trust in Him at all times, ye people. Pour out your heart before Him. God is a refuge for us. May the Lord bless you and keep you Is our prayer.